1: Here's Rob Black on the Bay Area's Business Leader, 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black and your money. I'm Rob Black, talking money, investing, and more. How are you doing today? What do you want to talk about today? Typically, I start with a little market commentary which kind of gives some perspective. Um, every now and then, I want to go a different direction. So I know we're going to have different listeners at different times of the day. And, again, I always want your feedback. I got a lot yesterday, which I was really pleased with. You can always drop me an email, rob at It's rob at Sometimes I try to, I'm not going to say say controversial things, but I want to say things that kind of wake you up a little bit. I'm shocked by how many people don't save for retirement. And, again, it's just, it's it's your decision. There's no doubt about it. Um, I got an email yesterday from a guy who, he was pretty content to say, well, since I'm not going to be able to buy a house, I might as well buy a nice car. So he wants to spend $65,000 on a car. And he's looking for my approval, and I'm like... What show are you listening to? Because I'm not going to give my approval on that. Um, <clears throat> I throw that out there because the guy's essentially making a decision that could go one step further if you want to you know, read between the lines. Well, since I can't save money for retirement, I'm going to buy a nice car. Uh, and that's just it's, it's a little disappointing. So... Uh, to see because, again, I think people are going to be surprised at how bad retirement's going to be. A lot of Americans struggle to make ends meet, and I get it. And sometimes you have to make choices, and sometimes that creates a lot of marital stress. Um, because of the job that I do and because of the friends that I have, I, I, I'm i pretty open. I'm pretty blunt. I'm kind of a jerk at times, right? So I get to see a lot, and what I see sometimes is horrific, I've got a friend right now who's getting ready to move, take her kids out of a school system that she loves, take her family out of an area that she loves because her husband ultimately didn't work for six out of the last seven years. While well, he was he worked, he was a great father, and he did his very best to start a company. And this company never got any traction. Uh, great concept, but it never got any traction. And, you know, there's a kid out there who's like 16 who comes up with an idea called Curb Cans, and it's a business where, I guess, kids in your neighborhood will come take the cans, trash cans, from your house and put them out on the curb every trash day. And if you forget, that's great, right? So this little kid could come up with a business, but this guy couldn't get any money from his, and he had a much better idea. And that stinks. So, they lived on credit for five, six, seven years. Now, I didn't know you could live on credit for five, six, seven years. Um, but I guess you can get 80 credit cards. I remember a few years back when I first moved to the Bay Area, my realtor showed me her credit card portfolio. And she had a book. You know how you uh, used to have, like, books for CDs. And you'd have like 100 CDs could fit inside it. You'd throw the case away and just slide it in a little plastic area. She had a book of like 80 credit cards, and she was all proud of it. And I was like, just hopefully nothing ever slips. Because I know people, realtors right now, who are great, but they've only sold one house. And you look for the year, you look at the calendar, and it's, it's August, right? Times have moved on. A lot of Americans struggle to make ends mean, and I get it. Um, sometimes there's some ramifications to that, though. Um, a lot of marital stress, right? Uh, trying to dig out of $10,000 of credit card debt, $20,000 of credit card debt, $30,000 of credit card debt can be brutal. You got to live within your means, and that's how you don't get into trouble, and if you don't have income, you don't go out on nice vacations. You don't go to Guns N' Roses concerts. You don't contribute to the problem if the income is, is not ideal. you got to teach your kids, ultimately by example. When they see mom and dad being wise with money, they'll grow up to be wise with money. Um, if they learn how to watch prices on Legos then they'll learn how to watch prices on stocks. If they learn how to watch prices on Legos, they'll learn how to watch prices on whatever they want to buy down the road in life. They also know that sometimes they have to earn it in order to get it. And you have to save money and you have to give money away to charity. You need to reach goals, you know. If you want to go on a dream vacation, it's not just like, where are we going to go this weekend? Where are we going to go for Christmas? Where are we going to go for Thanksgiving? Um, sometimes you have to just, like live within your means. Uh, be content with what you have. Uh, you know, I haven't had a car last on 150,000 miles ever. I can't imagine trading one in with you know 100,000 miles on it. I just can't imagine it. So I like having cars that are paid off and you don't have that monthly payment. It feels pretty good. So you want to be able to give generously when you're doing all this. So you reap what you sow, whether you teach your kids how to go and do charitable events, like helping out at um, animal hospitals. it's it's I think it's pretty important to give your kid that kind of grounding and living within your means. And financial confidence. I think there's something that a lot of people don't have a lot of is everyone should have some financial confidence, and sometimes confidence has to be built up. Um, When there's a market correction, and there will be another one. I remember in 2000, you know, all the 1990s, the NASDAQ went higher, stock market went higher, S&P 500 was higher. Everything was higher, 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 higher. And then 2000, you would like you'd love to get your statements in 1988, 1999, 2000 and then 2000 hits and a big correction comes and it's ugly it's not ugly like one month ugly which is kind of all we really remember right now because it's been seven years since we've had a big correction but when that big correction comes it's the year and a half and you look at your portfolio and you're like i don't even want to open my statement I'm just going to go electronic statement so I don't ever have to see it again. And you almost want to vomit. And that is so unhealthy. Uh, you have to have the confidence to open that statement in good times and bad times. When you feel confidence, it helps lead to success. And when you have a budget, when things are down, you don't have to panic and sell stocks at a low. That's one of the biggest mistakes people make. Um Everyone should be saving for their future, 5%, 10%, or 15% of your paycheck. And if you're not, hopefully you have a skill set that you can work until the day you die. I saw John Saunders, ESPN sports reporter, died at 61. He worked his whole life. He had a skill set that probably sometime in the next five, six, seven years, as he grays and slows down a little bit, that ESPN would have said something along the lines of, we want a smaller, skinnier, faster version of you. Um so you want to save for your future because at some point in time your employer is going to say we don't want you your employer is likely going to say that and then ultimately I think the, the, one of the things I could teach you about you know becoming successful and with money is cut down the stress live beneath your means and you'll, you'll be less stressful you won't have a, like fear of like my next bill's coming I'm Rob Black you can find me online at robblackshow.com that's robblackshow.com
1: rob black now 800-516-1220 that's 800-516-1220 now back to rob black and your money on am 1220 kdow
2: welcome in rob black and your money i'm rob black talking money investing and more anything you want to talk about we can talk about thanks for listening to the show I always mean that when I say that. I know that uh, you're kind of educating yourself on retirement. You're kind of getting some of those ideas that you need to put into place. Anything that you want to talk about, we can talk about money, investing, and more. So don't be shy. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. It's 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. Markets have been acting suspicious lately. A Jump in long-term rates um, hurt the stock market last Friday. The SP 500 closed the day basically unchanged, though, after starting the session with almost a 1% gain. So it started strong and ended kind of weak, but in the end, if you didn't know it started strong, you'd be like, yeah, not much happened today. So anyway, interest rates um, are always on everyone's mind at this point in time. Well, not everyone's mind, on market participants' minds. So 1.78% on the 10-year. It's been pressing higher recently, meaning mortgage rates are going to be uh, skipping ever so slightly higher. Nothing to panic about. Uh, Bank of America had a real good quarter. That's worthy of note. Um, it's earnings season. You're going to get a lot of earnings this week. Pepsi announced that they're going to try to cut calories by 25%. Um, they don't think that they can grow without healthier products. So they want to slash beverage calorie counts by 2025. Uh, <laughs> too late for our generation, but not bad for millennials. Um so pumpkins are popping up everywhere, right? But mortgage applications are down 6% as rising rates are taking a toll. Average contract interest rate for a 30-year fixed mortgage rate now it's 3.68%. Still pretty darn amazing. Hasbro had a good quarter tied towards some of their Disney princesses. Let's bring in Tony Mendez, talk a little Bay Area real estate. Joining me now, Tony Mendez, bayarealonesource.com. I just had a, a, a appraisal done. And it's by far not cheap, and it doesn't feel like a great value. Person comes out with a electronic tape measure, walks around your home, bleep, 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 says, "See you later." I'm like, "You're not even gonna come in?" Nope. So I saw you did an appraisal three or four years ago. I'll just use that,
3: and I'm gonna charge you almost a thousand dollars. Yeah, it's a little, it's a little. um expensive for the kind of work that they actually look like they do. But a lot of what they do is in the back end. It it, it is the collateral for the loan. Yes. Uh, That is one thing that you want to have uh, is a good appraisal. Um, And for a while there, Rob, it was really difficult for these appraisers to get their uh, value set because there just weren't enough sales, uh, comparable sales to your property. Um, And uh, or your house was too unique or the comparables were in a different city. So we've actually that was it was several years ago, you know, 2011, 2012. We actually had some problems finding uh, properties that were uh, we, we we had some loans basically go bad because we the appraisals weren't acceptable by the lender. So they they do their job. It, it is it is crazy though. I, mean, I can't talk to them. HVCC, which is the Home Valuation Code of Conduct, changed everything about appraisals. Um, one of the reasons why I believe we saw a rise. It was just one part of the um, the peak that we saw back in 2005, 2007, was because uh, lenders were able to call an appraiser and say, "I need this value. I need 900,000. Uh, well, I can only do 850." So they picks up the phone, calls another appraiser, "I need 900,000," and the guy goes, well, "I'll get you 875." He goes, "Nah, I need 900." Calls another guy, he goes, "I'll give you, I'll give you 900,000." Um, so that all changed. Um, so there are, they, they all, all these appraisers go through management companies now. They make less money. Um, so they may feel less obligated to put or l- at least look like they're doing a, more work. So it's an interesting topic when it comes down to appraisers. Luckily, and for those who are thinking about getting their uh, – doing a refinance or a purchase, appraised values have been coming in lately.
2: A lot of people approach appraisers the same way they approach mortgage lenders. Um, they want to get the lowest rate possible, and they'll just go from one mortgage lender to the next to the mortgage lender to the next mortgage lender to the next and the mortgage lender can see that because they see that there has been soft credit pulls by mortgage lenders. So you get a guy who those aren't soft credit pulls, just so you know, they're hard credit Okay, pulls. hard credit pulls. Yeah. So he'll see that hard credit pull and he'll go,
3: "Yeah, you're shopping." You're
2: shopping and I'm going to I'm going to say what you want to hear.
3: In reality, that's the way to if you were to shop for a home, that is the way to do it. You need your credit to be pulled. Uh, and unless you have a copy of your credit report, and you're giving it to the lender, and they can make an analysis based on what you have on that credit report. But most loans today are run through an automated system, and you have to have a credit report run through the system, um, not a piece of paper, in order to get the results. Um, otherwise, uh, you, you do risk some sort of catastrophe, um, you know, paying for an appraisal and not getting your money back. Uh, we just canceled a transaction, an appraisal transaction, because we have to move from one lender to another. Because we did some legwork prior to the appraisal to find out that we have to use a different lender. So this stuff like this happens, um, you know. But don't expect that from that kind of service from a bank. Banks will just order your appraisal right away, regardless of finding out if you get approved. I, I hate saying it, and I know there's some banker out there that saying, "Oh, that's not what we do," but it's what you guys do, and then you take longer. Uh, and you lock people in with a pre, uh, uh, application fees, so it's 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 still a and, and they do a ton of marketing to get people to come into the door, and they say with well, low closing costs, and and then they you them and I saw, service. Uh, don't get me started on banks. You and I saw a pretty embarrassing situation that a guy
2: three months ago got a loan at four percent, right? And he he he
3: how was how can you get a loan at four percent? They're they're all like at three five right now, yeah, and he's priced out at three and a half, and. Uh, three months later and the rates did not change that much in three months. And that's because he went with, a, he went with the advice of a bank that said, we're going to give you a low cost loan and oh, a low cost loan. Well, in reality, he's paying a higher rate and a higher payment and he'll pay, he'll ultimately pay more money out of his pocket every month. And then more beyond that payback period of what he would have paid normally, if, if he would have paid close, lower closing co- more closing costs and had a lower rate with a lower payment because he has the equity, he could have rolled it into the loan, which he's going to do now and give him the lower payment without any money out of his pocket. So it, it, don't get me started on le- on bankers. You Different can, between bankers and lenders,
2: by the you way. You can get screwed by a guy who smiles at you and says a lot of nice things about you pretty quickly in real estate. Anyway, that's Tony Mendez. You can find him at com. That's com. And I'm Rob Black talking all things financial money, investing, and more. It's a fun time of the year. Uh, we're marching towards the end of the year. Hopefully, you've maxed out your 401k. Hopefully, you've given some charitable contributions. Hopefully, you're thinking financially as we wind down the year. I know you're saying we still got a couple of months plus some change, but it'll be upon us faster than you think. You can find me online at RobloxShow.com. That's RobloxShow.com.
1: That's 800-516-1220. Now, back to Rob Black and your money on AM 1220
2: KDOW. I'm Rob Black talking money, investing, and more. Thanks for listening to the show. 800-516-1220 to get your calls on the air. How much risk do you take with your nest egg is a big question that a lot of people never ask themselves. And if I were to say, how risky is your portfolio? A lot of people will say, I don't know. I'm not entirely sure. There's a lot of sudden shocks that drive investors into the market and out of the market, and they sometimes regret it. So they don't understand how risky their portfolio is. So ask yourself these basic questions. Do you know how much you can lose on your investments if interest rates rise? So that's a good question. For instance, in bonds, uh, when interest rates rise, bonds can drop in value just as stocks can. It can only seem that bonds are you know, impervious because we grew up hearing, you know, bonds are safe investments, bonds always pay back. You know, um, we've been in basically 30 years of interest rates falling. So what's going to happen when bonds, when interest rates rise, if they rise for any sort of period of time? So it's going to be ugly is the right answer. Question number two, if you plan to hold your bonds forever, do you really lose? You don't ever actually lose or gain on any investment, stocks, bonds, or real estate until you actually sell. A lot of people are like, I've made so much money in my house. You haven't made a penny until you sell it. A lot of people are like, oh, the stock market's down 10%. I've lost so much money. You haven't lost a penny until you actually sell. So have a time frame that works with volatility. That's why CFP Chad Burton says put three years of spending money in cash so that you can ride out any down market when re- in retirement because historically it doesn't go down four years in a row. Is investing in index stocks funds less risky than investing in actively managed funds? It depends on your definition of risk. Which you lose on the upside of individual stocks or actively managed, you probably gain on the downside. So index funds replicate an index. Now, the an and P 500 can be um, overweighted 10 to 20 stocks. It's 500 stocks, but it's really the top 20 that uh, dole out the gains and losses of the year because it's market weighted. So. There's a lot of things like inflation risk. A lot of people just don't understand risk. And that's why you should have some diversification that's appropriate for your portfolio. Let's bring on CFP Chad Burton to talk a little more financial planning and tie this segment together like a nice book. Joining me now, CFP Chad Burton. Mr. Burton. Yes, sir. I got an email from someone recently that kind of laughed. It reminded me in a very, very bad way of what I don't like about this business. <laughs> um. And basically, it's it's the nerd or the guy who hasn't saved who's trying to hit a massive home run. He asked me the question of, who's making the parts for Apple's iWatch? There's a recent article in the Wall Street Journal, if people want to go get it and take a look. I personally think that's just the wrong way of approaching investing. Mm -hmm. It's trying to hit that home run when can the company stand on its own if Apple says, you know what, we don't like your parts, or you know what, we're doing you a big favor, you're going to give them to us for free.
4: Right. Um, it's like when a company creates a product and Costco is their number one client? Yeah. It's to not a sell good th- through? Yeah. Um, it was a company that had that problem, it was like uh Garden Burger or something like that. Yeah. I mean, they'll squeeze your margins down to nothing.
2: That's yeah. part of Costco's job. There was a famous story about Home Depot that um, – I read a book called The Death of Competition, which was fantastic, and uh Home Depot would invite people to Tropicana Field, mm-hmm. so two hammer makers would go, and they'd put them right next to each other and say, we think your hammer is A quality. We think your hammer is A quality. How much you want to sell us hammers for? And they basically make the people present in front of them. Yeah. Um, and that just, there's no competition there. I mean, that's Home Depot can sell millions and millions and millions of hammers, but they're not going to pay too much for them.
4: Well, yeah, and then it, it, Costco will, will make people – The people will present their product to them, and they'll make them change it over and over again, and then they still might not take it. Yeah. So people will spend tons of R&D money on trying to get their products changed, and then, eh, sorry, can't do it. That would be scary for me to try to use Costco as my number one customer, Com- or Walmart for that matter. Competition is, um,
2: I I think – a word that people should use more when talking about investing. Um, like, does Apple really have a competitor on high-end phones? Not really. On low-end phones, yeah. Um, Microsoft. They didn't acknowledge Apple's iPad or iPhone or iPod, and they got left in the dust.
4: Like, yep. they didn't—they didn't see them as a competitor. Like, oh, we're—we're we're totally different. We're the desktop. It's a good thing they're doing well in the enterprise world and with Xbox. Yeah. Even Xbox One, they've kind of you know shunned the gaming community right now with. It's interesting um, how Microsoft did succeed
2: with Xbox, but they're still having a problem like convincing the world what they are, are They enterprise or they desktop or they, you know, I think they would benefit hugely by spinning off the Xbox
4: yeah. and just making that an entertainment division. Yeah, I think I think I I agree. I'm surprised the new CEO hasn't talked more about that, but it doesn't sound like it. Yeah. I mean, just the way that you can use an Xbox one to run your home entertainment. It's yeah. pretty sweet. Who's marketing that, though? And see, I know nothing about it. Yeah. I get tidbits here and there from my my son, but at the same time, uh, lack of games and people, you know, moving to the PlayStation because of the way you know, it'll it'll come around. But tough business to be in for sure. Yeah, the enterprise side is where Microsoft does extremely well, and why their stock price has done really well lately. And the enterprise side being quote unquote offices. Yeah, large so. large companies, servers, things like that. Although more and more offices are moving to Apple. Like, that's not, the device side, though.
2: Yeah, but it's not uncommon now to walk down the halls of a building when you're going to a business meeting and seeing some Apple boxes outside, mm-hmm. some Mac boxes. I'm seeing more of it than ever. So yeah. they're making some headway into that Definitely. enterprise. Do you remember when you were a kid and you'd save, like, soup labels? So your school schooled by, like, Apple computers?
4: Uh, yeah, it's box tops, cereal box tops okay. for our kids.
2: Yeah. What's interesting to note about that is, you know, Apple's strategy was to get the kids young. And then they'd be lifelong users if they knew how to use the computers. And they did it, so I still don't own an Apple. So I do some video editing on Apple's at work, but not much. So
4: it's weird. I just I I'm I'm afraid. You know what's cool about um one of advisors a lot of advisors have a a Bloomberg terminal. Getting back to your email question, yeah. And Bloomberg has a feature where you can pull up a company and all of their suppliers, and it'll come up with this. Um, it almost looks like a bracket for, uh, you know, college basketball or something, and it shows all of the companies that are suppliers for that other for that company, and you know whether or not they're doing well. It'll be in green if they're doing poorly. It'll be in red. It's kind of a cool way to to look at those types of questions on who is supplying the different products. But once you find a company, oh, I'm going to invest in this company because they're doing all the screens for Apple. Well, I wouldn't buy it if it's – they might do well in the next year or two, but if Apple's 80% of their revenue, that's too much power that Apple has against that company in terms of profits because it's not revenue. It blows me away how many business owners or people invest based on revenue instead of profit. Oh, yeah. It's unreal. I mean, you can get guys that run businesses, and they just – they won't shut down a portion of their business because it's half of their revenue, but it's 100% of their losses. If that makes sense. And to bring up what you just said, um, Samsung recently
2: bought or is trying to buy a Nuance, which does the voice for Siri. Mm-hmm. So Samsung could could edge out the voice power. It could.
4: It's and not going to happen. Siri is not working after my last update. My phone is having to. I'm going to have to get a new phone soon. It won't shut off the top button. And then when I say, send a text to Rob Black, it'll say, who do you want me to text? <laughs> Thanks. I just told you. I get so mad at my. I'll be yelling in the car trying to voice text on my Siri. Because it's just not working anymore. What's up, Apple? CFP Chad Burton. Somebody send me a new phone. You can find him online at
2: newfocusfinancial.com. That's newfocusfinancial.com. Holy mackerel. 800 um, 516 Banks are giving away credit cards as if it's 2008. Not like it's 1999, but 2008. And that's a good thing and a bad thing. It helps our economy with spending, but. As we get into the later parts of an economic um, upcycle, you have to question yourself on um, should we be giving away that much credit, first and foremost, <clears throat> and when does it go bad? When the economy goes bad, people will be like, I don't think I'm going to pay my credit card. So banks are giving away credit cards at a, a, a aggressive rate. J.P. Morgan said there was 2.7 million in new accounts opened during the third quarter, Um, Citigroup, um, $147 billion in credit card debt, issued up 13% from a year ago. Bank of America, similar numbers. It is a wildly profitable business for the banks. Facebook is inching closer to television. The Facebook users can now watch videos posted on the social platform on their TVs through Apple TV or Google Chromecast. That's kind of strengthening their ecosystem. Because we know kids now are watching more YouTube than they're watching television. And that's not going to change. <laughs> it's it's going to continue to grow, right? Elsewhere out there, tomorrow, tomorrow, I love you, tomorrow, it's the big Cola announcement day. Not Coca Cola coming out with a new soft drink, but Social Security. How much will Social Security rise in 2017? It's projected at maybe three bucks a month. Last year it was zero. Everything else is more expensive year over year, but Social Security is not getting more generous. That is consistently sad news for people in retirement. And yet, Hillary Clinton and Donald Trump not really addressing that issue in the debate so far. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter Rob Black Show, YouTube Rob Black Show.
1: Online at robblack.com. Now back to Rob Black and Your Money on AM 1220 KDOW.
2: Welcome in, Rob Black and Your Money. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Not a good time to be an investor in clown masks. Retailers are pulling clown masks from the shelves as there's been a, a bump in, I guess, creepy clown violence, and clown lives matter, or clown lives fun matters. It, it's gotten a little out of hand. The media's kind of blowing it kind of crazy out of proportion. Schools have been closed. Um, because of it, you get the idea. Twitter stock plunge is really bad. Well, again, bad for being a clown. Target's pulling clown masks at this point in time. Um, and if you make a living being a clown, like, that's not good. Twitter shares have plunged 27% in the last couple of weeks after it spiked on buyout rumors. This is really bad for employees of Twitter because they're highly reliant on the stock prices. They get big stock options. Um, their total compensation was about $682 million based out of stock options. It's about 18% of revenue. So um, it's kind of interesting. So on it's kind of interesting that the stock market drop is disproportionately affecting them. No, the stock drop is disproportionately affecting them versus others. Uh, that, you know, you work for the state, you make money in cash, right? They pay you, they transfer money every two weeks, you get your paycheck. Um, But you work for a company like Twitter, they underpay you in cash, and they compensate you with stock options. And that's great and lovely when things are wonderful, but as you can see, they're not always wonderful. And again, some people know what they're signing up for, some people don't. Some people, you know, take the best job that they can that, kind of uh, matches up with their college degree. So I ended up last segment talking about Facebook edging closer to TV. One thing I should also mention in same conversation is Snapchat is king amongst teens right now. And there's a lot of surveys that come out on a regular basis, and one of them is saying um, the trend isn't really leaning towards Facebook right now. The trend is leaning towards Snapchat. And that's got to be nothing but bad news for a company that has a high market valuation and staying relevant. You know, if you take a look at great investments in the 70s or in the 80s, you know, you had digital equipment, and you're like, who the hell's digital equipment? That's right. (laughs) You know, HP kind of changed that, and then you got into Microsoft in the, you know, late 80s and early 90s, and then, you know, Google had its day, and it's still having a nice day. Um... But the baton gets passed a lot in technology. And it's kind of normal. Um, You know, Facebook, I think, is the king now. Yahoo was the king a while ago. Uh, But if you take a look at leadership in technology, whether sometimes it's Microsoft or Intel or HP, uh, digital, Sony, uh, the baton gets passed a lot. So there's a survey that came out of Piper Jaffray. And it asks 16-year-olds about fashion and beauty and restaurants and device preferences. And 80% said they use Snapchat at least once per month. And 35% said it was their favorite platform. Uh, so Snapchat became the most popular app amongst the age group in the last spring survey. Uh, Facebook saw the largest decline in usage time. While 60% of teens said that they used it at least once a month uh, earlier this year. It's down to 52%. That say that you use it at least once a month, so it's not all bad news. Obviously, for Facebook, Instagram increased usage this year. Netflix was the most popular daily video service, followed by YouTube, Um, then cable TV. Piper Jaffray said it was the first time in its survey that YouTube beat cable TV. So, a lot of fun. Not, I'm not gonna say fun stuff, but a lot of stuff going on out there that we're paying attention to. PepsiCo said they're gonna slash the amount of uh, calories in their beverages. Uh, because they have to, they want to create better taste in colas, almost as good as full-sugar colas, but with fewer calories. Um, they got to adjust the consumer sweetness levels, and people want less sugar. So um, they're also a maker of unsweetened ready-to-drink coffee and iced tea products. They got the Starbucks and Pure Leaf brands. They got Gatorade. Uh, industry-wide, the whole carbonated soft drink still accounts for the category's major amount of sales, but it's shifting. A lot like teenagers are shifting from Facebook to Snapchat or Snap, uh, people are shifting away from sodas. So, um, Factory production in the United States rose for the third time in four months. That's good news. Uh, production is beginning to revive due to a diminishing drag from a range of forces, including lower oil prices. The strong dollar, weak overseas markets, steady household spending. That's the biggest part of our economy for sure. Um, is keeping factories busy. So, and we kind of want to see that. Uh, Bank of America had a historic quarter for banking. So, you look at Wells Fargo and the struggles they're having, that's probably going to help Bank of America. Now, don't forget, not too long ago, America was mad at Bank of America. So, we're very fickle. Um, And we do change a lot on a pretty consistent basis. So, Bank of America... Reported earnings of about, well, revenue of about $21 billion. Um, Pretty good quarter. They've invested a lot of innovation. They've got industry-leading digital banking capabilities. You could take a picture of your check and deposit it, which a lot of people think is pretty cool. Um, Total trading revenue for the company was up 14%. Fixed income for the company was up 39%. Investment banking came in up 13%. It's tough not to like the quarter out of Bank of America and and not to see potential upside. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial. You can find me online at robblackshow.com, Twitter, Rob Black Show. I've just announced a couple new seminars coming up in November. Pretty cool seminars, too. You should take a look at them. Um, I'm going to do my first lunchtime seminar um, in November at the Elks Lodge. So just start thinking about that. We'll talk about it soon. I'm Rob Black, talking all things financial, money, investing, and more. Find me online at robblackshow.com. That's
0: robblackshow.com. <laughs>